I want you to find in your Bibles the uh, Gospel of Luke, if you would. And while you turn there, I just want to say a couple comments uh, about this message. We believe in the uh, atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ in this church. We don't believe that it's limited. We believe it encompasses everything that affects a man, a woman, their lives on this earth. And we've taught you about the blessing and the favor of God. We've taught you what's necessary to excel in this life. But if you uh, manage to tap into every good thing he has for your life in this life and you miss the rapture and the future plan that God has for you, nothing can replace that. And so of all the things that we do to prepare the church of Jesus Christ, there's nothing more important than preparing you for what's next. And I assure you it's next, and I assure you that your redemption draweth nigh. We're closer than we've ever been before. So I want you to see this today and walk out here understanding that if you're walking with God, to be encouraged. If you're not, to make some corrections. And then live as soberly as you possibly can moving forward in your life. So in Luke chapter 24, we see Jesus in his final ministry here on this earth and things that he had to do and say. In verse 50, it says, When he had led them out of the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. I believe the very first thing a human being ever heard were words of the blessing, and the very last thing the apostles heard and the disciples heard were words of the blessing. And while he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they stayed continually at the temple praising God. So notice that he was taken up at that time. And then Acts chapter 1, verse 7, he appeared to them and he said to them, It's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And after he had said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid them from their sight. And they were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them, men of Galilee. They said, Why do you stand here looking or gazing into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. The church, we know that he has gone up. That's the ascension. We also know that he's coming back in like manner. Amen. Specifically for his people. I want to define two terms right out of the starting gate here, and then we'll be talking about both of them and how to differentiate between them throughout this message. The first term is the rapture. You won't find the word literally in Scripture, but what you do find is a word that describes what the Bible describes as a catching away. And all the rapture really is, is the transportation from one place to another supernaturally. That's what it is. Contrasting that with the day of the Lord is when the Lord comes back physically to destroy the Antichrist, his army, his government, and establish his rule on this earth. We know as the millennial reign of Christ for a thousand years with events to come after that. So the rapture is the catching away of his people, transporting them from one place to another. And the day of the Lord or the second coming is what happens later on in God's timeline. Paul said these words in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 to encourage us. And I, I do ask you, be encouraged by the word of God. Amen? Amen. Brothers and sisters, in verse 13, 
We do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in Him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we will not, we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord Himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. Shout this out. Say the trumpet call of God. Say that again. The trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we which are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. The devil did his best, but his best isn't good enough. Not only is your future secure on this planet, if you walk with him, your future is secure for all eternity. And then Paul later described this process in 1 Corinthians 15, starting at verse 51. He said, I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we all will be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound. Shout that out. For the trumpet will sound. The dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. The dead are raised, and those that remain are transformed or changed. Rapture is instant and complete glorification. You instantly are die, you instantly die and are raised and are absolutely transformed at that moment, but not until first the dead are raised in Christ. Those who actually died with the confession of Christ on their lips. How many have somebody that has already gone there? You expect to see them again? Aren't you glad they, they made it? Aren't you glad they're faithful until the end of their life? The reason we don't perceive them is because there's something honorable about going to your death with your relationship with God intact. Amen. And Titus said this. Paul said to Titus in Titus chapter 2, verse 11, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age while we wait for the blessed hope the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from the wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Say that with me, the blessed hope. Now, understand this. We come off the Christmas season and we understand that the first you know, coming of Christ is about restoration. Say that with me, Restoration. Restoring uh, people to their God. Restoring us to a place of victory and righteousness. Restoring us in terms of our body and our minds, our health, and everything about that is included. But make no mistake about it. The second coming, or the day of the Lord, is about retribution. 
It's not about restoration. It means wrath and punishment inflicted on those and vengeance for those for a wrong or a criminal act committed. It's about uh, those who served the devil and followed him. It's about judgment. It's about vengeance. God said that vengeance is mine. I will repay. And ultimately this time, it won't be a massive flood. It will be fire this time. See, I find that when people don't understand the nature of the character of God, they misinterpret particularly the end-time scriptures, the apocalyptic literature like Daniel, like Zechariah, like Revelation. To understand God is good and God is loving, also understand that the pictures you saw of Christ being crucified, which scientists have said and medical doctors have said that Mel Gibson didn't even come close to depicting what it was actually like for him. And then to trample that blood is not a small matter. So what you have is restoration at Christmas for those that receive him. And in the second coming, you have retribution. You have the very wrath of God. It's about to hit this planet. That's the truth. Now, before I get too much further than this, I want you to understand just the basic primer on eschatology or the study of end time events. Just for context today, I believe it started, of course, with his ascension. And he will return as we have seen him depart in Scripture in the clouds. Then, of course, the resurrection of the dead in Christ precedes us. Thirdly, the rapture or the catching away of the church. And after we are caught away, then God proceeds to reward his people for their faithfulness. We find at that time that according to the Scriptures, there will be a crown of incorruption, a crown of rejoicing, a crown of life, a crown of righteousness, and a crown of glory, which the people of God will cast down at His feet. We find out at that time there is the marriage supper of the Lamb. Those that are raised from death to life, those that are raptured, gather together with Him at this amazing banquet table. That's in heaven. To understand books like Revelation, you have to understand is that they move forward and back in time and they move in three realms throughout the book. The realm of heaven, the realm of hell, and the realm of earth. And if you don't understand that, you can misinterpret this book. Say it with me. Heaven, heaven. Hell, hell, and the earth. Say it backwards and forwards in time. So what you have is something going on in heaven, the awards, the rewards, and the banquet on earth after this ascension of his people happens. You have, in fact, seven years known as the Great Tribulation or trouble or testing. Or, or, uh, testing. While believers are being rewarded and enjoying that fellowship with the Lord and one another, there's seven years what people have described as hell on earth. But my brother, it's not hell on earth. It's the hand of God on earth. And that's where the mistake is made. Some people will say, well, you preachers preach this because you're trying to scare people into hell. I would that you would be scared into hell rather than going there, scared from hell rather than go there. But what we have done is we have been shielded from the hand of God and what's coming on this planet for those who reject him. Today, if you don't, you should celebrate the fact that you're born again. Yes. 
that you're right with God. Because it's coming today, you'll be so glad that you made that decision. Seven years of tribulation. Then the second coming, which is the day of the Lord and the destruction of the Antichrist. Then the millennial reign, a thousand year reign of Christ. Then Satan is released to tempt and deceive the nations. And then there is, of course, incarceration of him and the great white throne judgment where the dead who did not die in Christ are raised to face judgment. And then, of course, the new Jerusalem, new heavens and a new earth. And smack dab in the middle of that where we are right now. We are between, of course, his ascension and the rapture of the church. Now, <laughs> there are a lot of opinions about this. And uh, even after hearing messages like this, you can believe what you want to. I would just say one thing to you. Whatever the timing is, make sure you're ready to go. Amen. Say it. I'm going to be ready to go. And I'm going to help get everybody else ready to go as well. That's the whole point of being his witnesses. Amen. In Judea and Samaria and Jerusalem and throughout the world, because this is serious stuff. Do you know that uh, once judged and in hell, it's forever. To have God come down and do that for us. And say, I'm not into all that Jesus stuff. From Zechariah, from Daniel, from Revelation, I just wanted to list some of what that wrath looks like. And when you look at this, it's easy to see exactly why God would pull his people out when you understand how grave this really is. Once this period begins, the Antichrist will sign a covenant with Israel and this will inaugurate the tribulation. Of course, the intent of the Antichrist is not pure. And once again, the people of God are deceived. There's a promise of peace and a one world government. It doesn't take long for that to be trampled upon. There will be a great encompassing world war. Whatever war breaks out before the rapture is nothing compared to what's going to happen after the rapture on this planet. Famine and runaway inflation like this world has ever known will break out because of that war. Death will be everywhere. At this point, one quarter of all living things, including human beings, will be killed. We're approaching 8 billion people on this planet. We'll get to 9, and most experts say it will begin to decrease. But let's just use 8 as a number. At this point in time, 2 billion people have died. Say that with me. Two billion people have died. And it's early in the tribulation. Martyrdom of those who convert at this period through the preaching of those that are anointed and sealed to, like the 144,000. Massive numbers are recognized in Revelation as having converted and stood despite the persecution and threat of death. There'll be a mighty earthquake like that has never been seen before. And the people will cry out, let the rocks literally fall on us because the devastation would be so bad, the will to live won't be there. 
one-third of all trees and green grass will be burned by hail, fire, and blood cast on the earth. Say one-third. A great mountain of sulfur will fall into the sea, destroying a third part of the sea, the living creatures, and a third of the shipping vessels. One man described it like this. How many of y'all have seen the Poseidon Adventure, either the old one or the newest one? Imagine that every vessel on the sea at the same time has the same fate. There'll be one-third less sun, moonlight, and stars extending darkness throughout the planet. The torture of the scorpion locust-like creatures will sting and torment people, and people will seek death, but they won't find it at that time. A 200 million horsemen army will kill one-third of the people. Now, half the population, now 4 billion people are dead during this period. If you think about it for a moment, God's people would confess his son and God would leave them behind. Them dying by the millions, you don't know the justice of God. The destruction of Babylon, its false religious system will take place. The Antichrist will compel the worship of his image or be killed. If you receive the mark, you'll be able to buy, sell, work, and trade. If you don't, you won't be allowed to. I don't know about you, but it sounds like I don't want to be here. <laughs> Giant painful sores will grow on those who rejected Christ and accepted the mark of the beast. The sea is turned to blood and every living creature in the sea dies. Watch this. Every living being in the sea, dead. The rivers and other sources of water will turn to blood. The, the sun's heat is intensified and God is blasphemed as a result instead of repentance. Darkness will cover the kingdom, you know, of the Antichrist. The sores will continue producing agony. They'll gnaw their tongues in pain and they'll blaspheme God and they will still refuse to repent. Lion spirits will draw the kings of the earth to the battle of Armageddon. A hundred pound hailstones will fall and still men will refuse to repent. Say that with me, a hundred pound hell. Forget about your pickup truck at that point. Well, I'll just put it in the garage. Forget about your garage. The new world order, commercial and governmental system will be destroyed. The Lord will appear with his holy ones to make war on the beast and the kings of the earth. In Zechariah 14, it describes a plague that will strike the armies. Their flesh will rot while standing on their feet. Their eyes will rot in their sockets. Their tongues will rot in their mouths and the animals as well. It was tried to be portrayed in Raiders of the Lost Ark what that looked like when they opened up the ark, but you get the idea we don't know what will be the result of that, but don't think that God needs nuclear power to do this. He is the all-powerful God. 
Jesus rules. I said he rules. And the survivors go up year after year to worship the king, the Lord Almighty, and celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles. This begins the thousand-year reign. And those who refuse to comply are faced with water shortages and famine and all kinds of consequences of rebelling from the king. And I don't know about you, but that doesn't sound like something I want to be a part of. And it also doesn't sound like God's ways of dealing with his faithful people. Are you here today? Let me give you just a history of how God has always preserved his people in the midst of judgment of the enemies of God. Now, there are times when Israel is subject to judgment. That's a different story altogether. But when God was judging, he preserved his people. Listen to scripture, uh, scripture in 2 Peter chapter 3 at verse 4. Above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is the coming he promised? Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it is since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water and by water. And by these waters also the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word in the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. May they mock. May they say, where's the promise of his coming? How many know that man's mockery and laughter never stop God from doing anything? And it won't stop him from doing this. How does God deal with his people in the midst of judgment on those that are enemies of God? Take Noah as an example. Noah, for decades, builds this ark. Preacher of righteousness continues to point the right way. And could you imagine the scorn and the laughter and the deriding he got for doing this? What are you building? I'm not sure what to call it. Why are you building it? I don't know. All I know is God told me to do this. And they scoff and they laugh and they make fun of him. But on the day it begins to rain, he and his and all the animals God told him to collect are shut up in there. And once it begins to flood, there's no more laughing going on. But I want you to understand this. God did not wipe out Noah and his family. He protected and delivered the righteous. He lifted them up before the deluge and judgment came down. Now, what you're seeing here is the nature of God. What you're seeing here is his pattern of being and doing with his people. It's critical that you see this. You think about Lot and his family. Lot chose to live as close to evil as he could possibly be. Not only was he close to evil, he was in the governmental system of that city. Here come the angels to present the, the mind of God. and They're so corrupt that they want to have sex with the angels. As they press in, they, of course, are blinded, but it doesn't stop what God is doing. Well, why were they sent there? They were sent there to extract those that God deemed righteous before the judgment came down. And you know that uh, he got his wife out initially and his daughters and his wife, amen, turned back and turned into a pillar of salt. Because that was more important to her than what God was saying. 
But the point again is, before the, the fire and the brimstone fell, God got the righteous out who would listen to him. Say this with me. That's how he does what he does. Say it again. That's how he does what he does. In the judgment of the nation of Egypt, these horrible, you know, series of events, because this man would harden his heart and not obey what Moses said. The people of God lived in a little hamlet called Goshen. And the Bible tells that there was light in Goshen. And there was protection in Goshen. When all of Egypt was exposed to the judgment, the people of God were preserved and protected away from what happened. And when he told them there is a death angel coming, you are to mark your post, amen, with the blood of that lamb. And when that angel sees that what? That blood, he will pass over you. Whether you take Noah or the story of Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah, or you take the people of, of Egypt, you know, and those that live there of Israel and Goshen, you see time and time again where God lifts up his people and protects them before his judgment comes. You should turn to somebody and say, well, thank God for that. The rapture by nature is transportation of the godly to heaven before the retribution begins. What is the great tribulation? It's not the result of the curse and sin. It's not the devil attacking you. It's not persecution for righteousness. It is the wrath of God. Amen. Not for a believer because that wrath was satisfied by Jesus on the cross. You should thank God he came and did that for you. Why is that important? Because the tribulation is the wrath of God. Say that would be the tribulation, the tribulation is, is the wrath of God. Say it again. The tribulation, the tribulation is, is the wrath of God. For what? For rejecting the one that did all that for them. That said, if you've accepted him, Jesus took, amen, that wrath. And it was satisfied on your behalf. Still amazes me that he could do such a thing. It's a matter of justice, and it would violate God's character to make a believer pay twice. God's history with his people is to remove them from the path before the wrath. So that my God removes us from the path before the wrath. Listen to this in 1 Thessalonians. It's not something I make up. In chapter 1, verse 8, the Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it, for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead. And listen very carefully to the words of the apostle who rescues us from the coming wrath. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9, But you, brethren and sisters, are not in darkness, so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You were all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness, so then let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. 
For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let every word be established by two or three witnesses. Listen to the very words of Christ in Revelation 3.10. Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come on the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. Hallelujah. And some folks are confused as to, in God's chronology, when this might actually happen. Remember I talked to you and had you notice that the trump of God was mentioned in what Paul described as the rapture. And when Paul described this mortal becoming immortal, he uses the same phraseology of a trumpet sound. Listen to Revelation chapter 4 verse 1. John the Revelator, After this I looked and there before me was a door standing open in heaven and the voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby, a rainbow that shone like an emerald, encircled the throne. The rainbow belongs to the Most High God, and He's not going to share it with anybody. What's the point? The point is... Like with, you know, Jonah and his family. Like with Lot and those that went with him. Like the protection of the people in Egypt, in the hamlet of Goshen. God lifts his people up before the wrath comes down. I tell you, it's important. It's a big deal to be saved. I said it's a big deal to be saved. Said I am saved. And I'm going up. Before the wrath comes down. Said, I'm going up before the wrath comes down. Why? Because he hadn't appointed the believer to wrath. Big, huge, enormous, important words for us. Now, there's some Christians who, you know, perfectly content to believe that. They'll be here when four billion people will be killed and the wrath of God breaks out and then somehow at the end of all things they'll be taken up. problem is we can't find that sequence described anywhere. The problem is people misunderstand the difference between a rapture you know, and the day of the Lord. So let me explain some differences here for you. Is everybody still dialed in? Everybody still tuned in? How many know somebody that's lost and they need to find the Lord as soon as possible? Yes. Raise your hand and say, I know somebody who needs the Lord. It's not just a matter of getting somebody to come to your church or having somebody else to fellowship with or say you got them saved or whatever the case may be. We're talking about eternity here. The raptures are bringing up and the second coming is a coming down. The rapture is before the great tribulation, and the second coming is after the great tribulation. The rapture is an act of deliverance for the saints, and the second coming is an act of vengeance on those who rejected him. 
The rapture is coming in the clouds, while the second coming is a foot on the Mount of Olives with the saints. Rapture is removing the hindrance to the lawlessness, which is the church, and the second coming is to destroy the Antichrist. The rapture for those qualified for heaven, while the second coming is about setting up the kingdom on the earth. The rapture, no one will know who the Antichrist is at the second coming. Everyone's going to know who it is. The rapture can take place without fulfillment of prophecy or signs, while the second coming requires the fulfillment of signs, like in Matthew chapter 24. And if you see these things I'm about to say coming to pass, you know that the second coming is at hand, and the rapture is seven years before the second coming. Which when you see this list, you should say literally, guess what? There is no prophecy, there is no sign required for the rapture. When you understand that it is imminent, it could happen at any time. The second coming, yes, the rapture could happen at any moment. And you need to be ready. And it needs to be preached this clear. If you have Christ, you're going. If you don't, you're not going. Don't look for a sign. Don't look for a prophecy for the rapture. He's already told you to be ready. The angel already said he's coming back the same way you saw him go. That's all the information we're going to get on this. You're going to hear Trump and then millions of people are going to be gone. I'm going to be one of them. I said, I'm going to be one of them. And I'm not going to leave behind anybody who calls Hope Harbor Church their home. You are coming with us in Jesus' name. You are coming in Jesus' name. And you're going to do what you can to reach out. Ignore all the critics. Ignore all the wokeism, what Elon Musk calls the woke virus. And pay attention to what the truth is. Because the same God had told us he was coming the first time. They were asleep in Bethlehem. When their Messiah was being crucified, they were asleep in Jerusalem. We are not going to be that part of America that is asleep when the trumpet sounds. When the dead in Christ are rising and we are caught up together in the clouds forever to be with them. So important. The rapture is seven years closer than the signs you may be seeing being fulfilled right now. For the second coming, he said there will be false Christ and deception. The rise of cults. <laughs> and by cult, I don't mean they believe in healing, so they're a cult. They believe in the present day ministry of the Holy Ghost, so they're a cult. They're faith people, so they're a cult. I'm talking about people who deny the deity of Jesus Christ as the only way to the Father. I'm talking about people who are not orthodox in their actual belief system, not because they disagree on some doctrine. Wars and rumors of wars. What else do you need? From Gaza to Ukraine to China, most people don't know that why we've been focused on stupidity over here. China's been building the biggest infrastructure for a military campaign in the history of the world. Why we were sleeping. The other day, our border patrol caught a hundred young men with shaven heads from China, came up through Venezuela. You think they're here to set up a nail business? 
Another massage place at the mall. I told my wife 20 years ago that every one of these massage parlors that are run by Chinese are here by design of the CCP. And guess what? Turns out I was right. (laughs) And we just let them walk in. Say wars and rumors of wars. Nations and kingdoms rising up against each other. Famines, earthquakes, persecution. Nigerian Islamist extremists rounded up a hundred Christians in Nigeria on Christmas Day and executed them just because they were Christians. You better be thankful you live in this nation. Hatred for the believers, for the Christians, would increase. Have you noticed that? In uh, the early church, Nero burned the city down and blamed the Christians. Don't be surprised what Christians are blamed for in these last days. There's a great falling away he spoke of, an apostasy. It's hip to get on YouTube and TikTok and say, yes, I've deconstructed from the Christian faith. You know what you did? You know what you did? You just lost your ticket in the rapture. You know what you did? You just guaranteed your part of the wrath of God. It's not hip. And maybe you don't like what some of your forefathers taught or even the style with which they brought it forth, but they were right about the end times. And so if you deconstruct it in your faith, you better reconstruct it real fast and repent. Nothing new. The Spirit of God told Paul and Paul told Timothy, In latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Turn to somebody and tell them it's nothing new. Well, we're deconstructed our faith. We're intellectually superior to these stupid Christians who actually believe these fairy tales. Well, guess what? The trump's going to sound. The dead in Christ is going to rise. We're going to be caught up. Amen. The wrath's going to hit this place. And you're going to come out looking like the smartest people in the history of the universe. You're the people that bought Bitcoin at a dollar. There'll be betrayal and hatred, not from the world, in the church. Christians betraying each other, hating each other. Their entire ministry is dedicated to calling out ministries and ministers instead of preaching the gospel. They attack one another and betray one another. Listen to me carefully. I'm just trying to help you here. You cannot be sucked into becoming a sign of the second coming. You hear somebody using this sacred desk to tear down another minister, another ministry, thinking they're doing a service to the body of Christ. They're not. They're hurting the Lord. And you need to switch that stuff off in Jesus' name. Listen for the word being preached. It's not my business what somebody else is doing. But to waste this time to prepare you for eternity by going after somebody I don't agree with is an abuse of the pulpit. And they're out there. That's all they seem to do. 
And they think they're wise and, and innovative and new. Jesus said this would happen. He said that people would betray each other in the household of faith. False prophets would rise deceiving many people. Increase of wickedness and spiritual coldness would prevail. And he said this, and this gospel shall be preached to all nations. And then the end will come. The day of the Lord. Now, we live in a day with technology and geomapping and the ability of, of our knowledge of language. We know where every unreached ethnos or people group is in the world. It's just a matter of time before the gospel is presented to every single one of them. And listen to me carefully, that list is very, very small. So if that is the linchpin for the second coming, how much closer are you to being beamed out of here? It's not beam me up, Scotty. It's beam me up, Jesus. Amen. Come on, shout it out. Beam me up, Jesus. It really is important to have in your own heart a great expectancy and hope, to live every day um, that this could be your last day on this earth as you know it. Not about death, but about being caught away. Uh, not losing that, that vision, that passion that the early disciples had. When they saw him go, they literally thought he was coming back quickly. A couple of days, maybe whatever. Now, it's been a few more than a couple of days. But we need to have that same urgency and expectancy in our hearts because it works good things in our lives. Things like purity, for example. Say purity. purity. Holiness and waiting. First John, dear friends, now we are children of God and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. And all who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. The more I believe he could come at any moment, the more pure I'm going to live. Amen. And I have a better amen out there, church. Amen. The more I believe in the imminence of his return, the more I'm going to live pure. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? I'm not going to say certain things. I'm not going to do certain things. I'm not going to think certain things. I'm not going to compromise because this might be the split second he comes back. That's how you want to live. Everybody say purity. Number two is focus, living with purpose and direction. Paul said in Ephesians 5, this is why it is said, wake up, sleep, or rise from the dead. Wake, and Christ will shine on you. Live with a sense of something bigger than yourself. If we don't want to suffer the wrath of God, if we don't want to go to hell ourselves, we shouldn't want somebody else to suffer that wrath either. Number three is stewardship, our time, our talent, our treasures. Ephesians 5, again, be very careful in how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Say that, make the most of every opportunity. When you expect his return, it brings purity and focus and stewardship. Number four, the blessing. While we wait for the blessed hope, it's called blessed because it empowers us while we are engaging our expectations. You want to get blessed and stay blessed? Look for his return. It's the blessed hope. Not just a hope. It's what 
The hope that brings blessing. The hope that works blessing in your life. And then number five, last but not least, when you expect his return, it causes you to have evangelistic zeal and fervor. You're earnest to get other people saved. He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father is sent by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. How do you know Murray's part of the end of the earth? <laughs> do they need the gospel? Yes. Expectancy is a return, and earnestness and zeal for evangelism go hand in hand. What does that tell you? It tells you that a massive number of churches and people in America have lost their expectation for his imminent return. The person you come across, you know, that God prompts you to talk to, you think, ah, they'll find somebody that will talk to them. You don't know that. How about we set ourselves up for just a simple principle here? How about we not have any regrets because we failed to talk to people? We were concerned about our reputation or somebody rejecting us. How about a bigger picture of what they're going to face without Christ? Maybe that should be our focus. Look at somebody and say, no regrets. Say it again, say, no regrets. Say it again, no regrets. No, when we have a high expectation for his imminent return, it spurs us on to evangelism. Well, the heart of the message today, and I'm happy to say that I'm now done with my introduction. <laughs> and I'm not, I'm serious about that. <laughs> but at the same time, the message had to be put in a context of understanding the end time calendar and what God's heart and nature is towards his people. You can find in your Bibles in Matthew chapter 25. I'll spend a couple of moments talking to you about getting ready for the return. In other words, being rapture ready. Shout that out. Say, I want to be rapture ready. Say it boldly. I want to be rapture ready. In time teaching of Jesus. The scripture says in verse 1, At that time the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. And the bridegroom was a long time in coming. And they all began to be drowsy and they fell asleep. At midnight the cry rang out, Here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. No, they replied, There may not be enough for both us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Lord, they said, open the door to us. But he replied, truly, I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. Shout that out. Say, therefore. therefore. Everybody say, therefore. therefore. Keep watch, keep 
because you do not know the day or the hour. Say the day or the hour. Well, how to be rapture ready? Well, one is make sure that you stay together. Proximity physically be the church, but also in your heart be linked to the church. Be with the body. Hebrews 10 is what we'd also call an eschatological scripture dealing with the end times. It says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Here's the second coming. Rapture seven years before that. Should we be less involved with church or more involved with church? Uh, you must stay connected to the body. Now, there are people because of work, because of infirmity, they physically have less ability to do that. But those are the exceptions to the rule. That's not what's going on in America. People's hearts have been divorced from the body. And they need to repent of that and get back involved with what God is trying to do. You say, well, I come on a, on a Sunday morning. I'm a good, faithful little soldier. Well, let me tell you something. When your heart is really with the church, whatever the church is doing, you're involved in it. You're not just a pew warmer. Well, I come, but I also give, and that's a great thing. Thank God for your faithfulness. But you want to be connected. You want to be involved. You want to be in the mass. You want to be in the body in these last times. This is not a time to play games with your eternal future. And what happens according to the word of God is we spur one another on to love and good works. We feel like quitting. Somebody comes along and says, and hang in there. Amen. You can do this in Jesus' name. You get tired and weary. Somebody holds up your hands like Aaron and her. You need to understand you can't do this alone. Your spiritual health is poor because you're disconnected from the family. Well, you know, somebody in the family hurts me. Well, guess what? Take a number. When you can say Jesus hurt you, then you have my blessing to turn your back on the church. But he has done nothing but bless your life. Stop using people as an excuse to vacate yourself from the house of God. It's not what I say. The Apostle Paul has commanded you to be engaged. And according to this scripture, there's a revelation there being together at that time together. It's a strength to you and to me. All the more you see the day approaching. Millions of Christians are withdrawing more as the day approaches when they should be, what? Drawing closer as the day approaches. Number two, stay alert. Listening to that voice, listening for that sound, that trumpet sound. Matthew 24, verse 36. But about that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven or the Son, but only the, the, only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, then so it will be in the coming of the Son of Man, for in the days before the flood people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up till the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field, one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a handmill, and one will be taken and the other left. Therefore keep watch. Shout it out. Therefore keep watch. 
because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. Stay together. Stay alert. This is the kind of woke I recommend you get. Number three, stay clean. Dressed in white. Dressed as that virgin. First Peter chapter 1, verse 13, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at His coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as He who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy because I am holy. And Scripture tells us without holiness, no one will see God. Say that with me. Stay together. Stay alert. Stay clean. Number four, stay on fire. Oil in your lamps and burning. Luke 12, verse 35, be dressed ready for service and keep your lamps burning. Look at your neighbor and then tell them, keep your lamps burning. And I just want you to know that husbands, you can't keep your wife's lamp burning. Wives, you can't keep your husband's lamps burning. Kids, you can't keep your parents' lamps burning. Mom, Dad, you can't live off your kids' lamp burning. Like servants waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he'll dress himself to serve and have them recline at the table and will come and wait on them. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them ready, even if he comes in the middle of the night or toward daybreak. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. But he's coming. And watch these things that will cause you to lose your oil in this life. Things like ungodly inputs. Guard your eyes, guard your ears, and guard the things you say with your mouth. You lose the oil, the lamp goes out. You're not rapture ready. Ungodly influences that are out there, and they're everywhere, trying to tell you what to think and how to function. No, you should use the Word of God as your ultimate influence in your life. Destructive habits in your life, let them go because they're taking away your ability to keep your lamp burning. You cannot serve that habit and keep your lamp burning at the same time. <coughs> Undisciplined thinking or unscriptural thinking is something that causes your oil to disappear. Living in, getting offended. Watch how fast your lamp will dry up when you're offended. Having wrong priorities in life will cause your oil to run dry. Listen to this commission from Romans 12, verse 11. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Shout that out. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Say this with me. I choose to be rapture ready. I'm going to stay together. Stay alert. Stay clean. Stay on fire. 
You guard that oil. Amen. The eternity depends on it. And I was um, meditating on a story that I think really illustrates this entire message and, and what we need to hear today. There were um, two uh, attorneys who flew to Alaska for a lawsuit. And um, they were out at the Aleutian Islands. And they did their business, and they were about to board their plane for the return trip to, to Anchorage and then go about their business from there. And the lawyer said that a pastor walked up to them and said, you know what, you don't need to use that ticket. You know, just save it for something else. You come and board my small plane and I'll fly you to Anchorage. And uh, then you can catch your connecting flight there. And they're like, no, 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 we've already purchased the plane. You know, we're getting ready to board. No, that's not necessary, but thank you for your kindness. And they went ahead and relented, even though it was against their better judgment. And they got in that plane. They said the pilot was here in the left seat. And they said the first lawyer was over here in the right seat. And the second lawyer was behind him in the back seat. And they took off, they got up, you know, into the clouds, and all of a sudden the pastor's eyes rolled back in his head and he passed out in the plane. And um, the second lawyer looked at the first one and said, you know what, we're going to die, aren't we? And he said honestly to him, he said, you know what, there's a very good chance we're not going to survive this. And he handed him the radio and the guy in the back starts going, hello, 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 no protocol at all, no understanding of, of air, you know, air flight protocol. And suddenly someone came on board from another flight and said, uh, don't you fellows understand anything about the protocol of communicating, you know, in that scenario? And like, no, we don't know anything. We think the pilot's passed out or he is dead. We don't know how to fly. We need some help. So this guy said, what I'm going to do is, is I'm going to try to contact Anchorage for you. And I'm, I'm going to just circle around so they can find you and you can get communication with that tower. And so that's what he did. He circled around and tried to get contact with Anchorage. And after a little while, Anchorage came on the line and identified themselves. We understand you're in an emergency there, that the pilot's incapacitated. And this is what he said. He said, I want you to understand something. I want you to listen to my voice and no other voice. Don't pay attention to any other voice you hear. If you do that, it's very good chance I can get you on the ground and save your lives. But if you fail to listen to my voice and my instructions, I won't be able to help you. Do you understand that? You need to listen to my voice. Turn to somebody and tell them, listen to my voice. And he said, okay, that's what we'll do. And then he got back on there, the traffic controller, and he said, look, he goes, you're about to go through some of the worst weather we've seen around here in ages. The storms and the, the buffeting and the turbulence. Um, this is going to be quite a storm. I do not want you looking at the storm, listening to the storm. I want you only to listen to my voice. Do you understand that? He's telling them, you can't see me. You can't see out, but I can see you. Listen to my voice. And so he said, okay, that's what we'll do. And the guy navigated them through with all the turbulence and all the issues and all the weather. And, and fun, so finally, he, he, he's punching out of the clouds and the traffic controller said, look, you're going to see some lights on this runway. They form the form of a cross. I don't want you to look at anything else but those lights on the ground. And listen to my voice. Turn to somebody and tell them again, listen to my voice. And they did. They listened to him about what to do. And he said, we came down and he said, we landed. He said, actually, we bounced seven times before that plane came to a halt. 
Emergency crews are coming. They don't know what they're going to expect. They put him up in a hotel. And this man says at 4 o'clock in the morning, he got a knock on the hotel door. And he opened up the door and he said, yes, can I help you? And the man said, I'm David. And at that, the, the lawyer said, you're the voice. He said, yes, sir. He said, well, why are you coming at this hour? Why are you coming to the hotel? He said, I came because you're the first person to listen to me and not die. He said, I want to thank you for listening to me. Because most of the time they crash and they burn. And I can tell you this, there's a voice out there. And it's the only one that knows how to navigate you from where you are to where he has you going. Do not deviate. Do not listen to any other voice. And there are thousands of them out there. Keep your eyes on his lights. Amen. Focus on what he tells you to focus. And how many believe the Lord is well able to get you there? And he's not going to thank you for listening. So you know what he's going to say? He's going to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's what he'll say. I knew when this Christmas season came that the Lord wanted me to deal with his first coming and his second coming. And it's deep in my heart to make sure that uh, we're all raptured at that time. Amen. Amen. So I want you to stand to your feet and bow your hearts just a moment.